Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. Amen. Y'all, thank you so much for entering into worship today. I know I don't, you're not doing it for me. I say this a lot, but boy, man, y'all just encourage my heart so much. And you encourage one another when you're singing to the Lord. Your, your song is a testimony of your walk with the Lord, even if you can't. If you're not musical, you're still, your worship is a testimony uh, to the Lord. So thanks for doing that. So today is the day that we will begin what we call revival services. And church has been doing these things for a long time for a lot of different reasons. And, and uh, uh, you know, we have different thoughts about what these things are supposed to look like. I'm not specifically talking about revival services I'm excited about our revival services that start tonight. Can't wait. Again, I can't wait for Bill to get here and for y'all to get to hang out with him some this week. He's going to have books and things like that that I think you're going to want to you want to grab while he's here. Let me give you a definite uh, one man, a guy named Dale, Dale Fessenfeld, who uh, worked for a long time in a ministry that was targeting revival in the church. And Dale said this. He said, "True revival is that divine moment when God." bursts upon the scene and displays his glory true revival is that divine moment when god bursts upon the scene and displays his glory you ever seen that have you ever been a part of something like that have you ever been a part of an experience where you know that god burst upon the scene and that the glory of God was displayed in such a way that nobody could give anybody credit except God. That's what we're longing for. That's what we're looking for as we have these revival services this week. We're looking for God to move in a powerful way where nobody can go, Wow, man, look what Bill Eliff brought. Bill Eliff ain't bringing nothing except himself and the message that God's laid on his heart. And God, he's going to be the conduit through which God will use uh, to bring revival. But Bill can't do it. I can't do it. The staff can't do it. The deacons can't do it. It's God. And we want God to do it. But you know what? It has happened. There have been times throughout history that God has burst upon the scene and displayed his glory in such a way that people said, that, that, that's, just a, that's just God. That's just God. 1857, New York City. The fall of 1857, uh, the U United States was in a state of turmoil and decline. <laughs> I said 57, not 2022, because listen, the country was declining in 1857 economically, politically, spiritually. That's what was happening in 1857. So I mean, there are definitely some, uh, some comparisons and some uh, similarities to where we are today. So New York City, there's this young man named Jeremiah Lanfear. Jeremiah Lanfear was not, he was a layman. He ended up, I think he ended up going into the ministry. But at this point, Jeremiah Lanfear was just a layman working in a church. And he got burdened because he saw the condition of our nation. And so he decided on September the 23rd of 1857, he decided in New York, in Manhattan, we're talking down in the heart of New York City, that he decided he was going to have a prayer meeting on September the 23rd at noon. And just invited anybody at this, uh, I think it was at the Old Dutch Church, and said, anybody wants to come, come on. Six people showed up. Out of however many people were living in New York City at that time, six people showed up. 
But he didn't get discouraged because he knew that Jesus had said in Matthew chapter 18, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So he wasn't discouraged by it. Six people showed up. So they decided they were going to meet again the next week, going to meet again the next week, going to meet again the next week. And three weeks later, they had 40 people. It had grown to 40 people showed up. They decided at that point, the 40 people that showed up decided, we need to start doing this every day. Every day. Can you imagine that? Every day. They said at noon, every day, we're going to meet for prayer. Let me tell you what happened. On October the 10th, just a couple of weeks later, the stock market crashed. People were losing everything. You talk about turmoil now. The banks weren't able to make payments. The banks weren't able to give people money, nothing. It was horrible. And by that, then people in their time of desperation, people began flocking to these prayer meetings. And within six months, 10,000 people were meeting every day in New York City to pray. And it spread beyond New York City. It spread to Chicago. There were thousands of people meeting in Chicago, in St. Louis, in Cleveland. Some people estimate that between 1857 and 1858, some 500,000 to 1 million people got saved during that time frame. Because one dude said, we need to start praying. That was 1857. 1904 in Wales, the great Welsh revival happened in 1904. People say it was the largest Christian revival in Wales in the 20th century. Largest Christian revival. It happened when one 26-year-old preacher, Michael, one 26-year-old preacher decided he was going to start praying and going to start preaching. And in that year, between 1904 and 1905, in the country of Wales, through Evan Roberts, over 100,000 people got saved. Because God burst upon, us, upon the scene and displayed his glory. North China, 1932. North China. Uh, there was one missionary lady, a lady named Marie Monson, who began to pray for revival. Began move and began doing what God called her to do. And began praying for revival. Massive revival broke out. More people were saved that year than ever had been saved before. One missionary estimated that 3,000 people were saved in his town alone. 1857, 1904, 1932, 1996, a guy named Henry Blackaby. Some of you have heard of him. Some of you have read some of his books. Great study, experiencing God. Unbelievable. We're probably going to be doing that as a church family in 2023. Experiencing God. Henry Blackaby, back in 19, Henry's still alive. He's, he's not doing well physically now, struggling, I think, from maybe some uh, Alzheimer's issues and things like that. But, man, he had an incredible ministry. He impacted my life. I've heard him preach, speak. I've been under his teaching, gone to conferences, and done experiencing God. Anyway, 1996, Blackaby was preaching at Howard Payne University. Had a three-day speaking engagement at Howard Payne University. On the Tuesday night of that speaking engagement, that time of, of services and meetings, they were in a big auditorium there, hundreds of college students in this auditorium. Blackaby was speaking, and two young men, two young Christian men, who were known to be leaders on the campus, leaders among their peers, came to the podium, asked, asked Blackaby if they could come to the platform and speak to their friends, all of their friends, hundreds of people in front of them. 
And these two young men came to the platform and confessed that they had been in bondage to pornography and lust and how that bondage had shut down their prayer lives and their spiritual lives. And they began to weep before all of their friends, confessing their sins to the Lord, crying out for forgiveness and healing and cleansing. Blackaby came back to the platforms to ask if there was anybody else who needed to come to that platform. And young men from all across that room, it was like an avalanche. As all of these young men began to get up and they came to the platform and gathered on the platform, weeping and crying out for forgiveness and restoration and cleansing of the sin that was in their lives. Suddenly one beautiful young lady stood up and walked to the platform herself. And she came to the platform and she said, you're saying it's just the men. Let me tell you something. We women also have lust in our hearts. And she began to confess the brokenness of her heart and the sin that was in her heart. Blackaby stepped up again and asked if there were other young women who needed to come and let God heal them and purify their hearts. And girls all over the room jumped up and began to run to the platform falling on their face before the Lord, weeping and crying out for God's forgiveness and cleansing and purifying in their lives. Blackaby asked, all of a sudden, some of the adults in the room, some of the adults in the room stood and began to confess their sins and cry out for repentance three and a half hours later into the wee hours of the morning. People were still crying out to the Lord for forgiveness. 1857, 1904, 1932, 1996. I wonder if we can add 2022 to that list. Wouldn't you love to add 2022 to that list? Where one day some pastor's going to stand up 10 years, 15, 20, 50 years from, say, from now and say, in 1857 this happened, in 1932 this happened. In 1904, this happened. 1996 happened. And then in 2022, in a little old town in Mississippi, in Florida, Mississippi, God showed up, burst upon the scene, displayed His glory, and the people of God came alive in the Lord. I believe that can happen. I believe it may already be happening. But I want to ask you something. Are we ready for that? Are you ready for that? Are you ready for that kind of revival? Are you ready for a true revival? Because if you are, that means, if you say that you are, that means you cannot stay in the condition that you're in right now. Because a true revival, when it comes, will shake us to our core. It will show us the sins that are in our hearts and will shift our focus back to the Lord. Are you ready for that? Grab your Bibles and turn to Psalm 85. Middle of the Bible there. I hope you got your Bible with you. If you don't, if you've got it on your phone, go to Psalm 85. I want you to be able to read the Scripture. I hope you got it. So read, let's stand and read Psalm 85 together. Would you stand up, please? I know you're still flipping, so in your Bible, go ahead and get there. Psalm 85, 13 verses. I want to read this and then move into this message today. Psalm 85, Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. Look at this, y'all. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. Selah. Right out in the margin of my Bible, I have the words, Thank you, Lord, written right beside that verse. 
You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath and you turned from your hot anger. Verse 4, restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Look at this, y'all. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Here's the, will you not revive us again? The title of the message today, will you not revive us again? Why? So that your people may rejoice in you. Show us your steadfast love, O Lord. Grant us your salvation. So listen, let me hear what the Lord will speak today. Let me hear what He will speak today. For He will speak. He will speak. He will speak peace to His people, to His saints. But let them not turn back to folly. Surely His salvation is near to those who fear Him. That glory may dwell in our land. Look at this, y'all. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other faithfulness springs up from the ground and righteousness looks down from the sky yes the lord will give what is good our land will yield its increase righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away may god bless the reading of his perfect word this morning let's pray help us now lord we need you today god we need you we need you we need you in jesus name amen thanks so much you may be seated i love the psalms i've said that a lot the psalms are awesome I wallow around in them all the time, and I tell you to stay in them all the time, too. I love the Psalms. One, one writer said, uh, he called them the masterpiece of praise, and they are. Here's the cool thing about the Psalms. Every emotion that you and I have ever felt, or that you're feeling right now, every emotion that you've ever felt, that you're feeling right now, that you're going to feel in the, in the future, you will find that emotion, that feeling, that experience somewhere within these 150 chapters of the Psalms. That's why I love them so much. Hey, are you grieving today? Are you sorrowful today? You'll find some help in the Psalms. Are you full, full of joy today? you got some Psalms in there that will help you be more joyful. Are you feeling with delight? Are you angry about something? you discouraged about something? The Psalms will help you with that. Are, do you have peace in your life or do you need peace in your life? Are you experiencing a time of calm or are you in a time of turmoil? You'll find that. Are you worried about something? Are you anxious about something? Are you fearful about something? You'll find help in the Psalms. Are you filled with faith and hope or do you need to be filled with faith and hope and peace and all of that? You'll find it in the Psalms. Do you need help praising God, confessing your sins to the Lord, uh, expressing thanksgiving to the Lord? You'll find all of that stuff in the Psalms. That's why I just encourage you. I'm in the Psalms almost every day. I read a Psalm or some Psalm some part of a psalm somewhere almost every day of my life. Encourage you just to get in there and wallow around in the psalms. So, so good. And the psalms also remind us of revival and our desperate need to return to the Lord. Listen to some of these psalms. You can write these verses down if you want to. Psalm 80, verse 19. Restore us, O Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Psalm 22, verse 27 says, All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. Psalm 80, verse 18 says, Then we shall not turn back from you. Give us life, and we will call on your name. That was Psalm 80. Verse 18, then David said in Psalm 51, verse 12, Restore to me the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. The Psalms help us understand that we've got to return to the Lord. And right here in the middle of Psalm 85, the title of the message, we see those words, Will you not revive us again? The Psalm is called out to the Lord. It's God, will you not revive us again? 
So the word revive, let's talk about it. We, we did this a lot with the Ten Commandments series. What's that word mean? What's the Hebrews say about that word? Let me sum it up for you. The word revive is all about life. Just, just jot that down. The word revive is all about life. Every nuance meaning of this word has to do with life. Life that God wants to give to His people. Listen to what this word means. All these different, it means to live, to have life, to continue in life, to remain alive, to sustain life, to live prosperously. The word means to revive from sickness, from discouragement, from feeling like you're going to faint, feeling like you are spiritually dead. This word means it'll bring you back from all of those things. This word means to preserve alive, to let live, to give life, to restore to life, to cause to grow. This word means to, to keep alive, to promise life, to nourish life, to recover, to repair, to restore life, because revival is all about life. It's all about life. We need the life that only the Lord can give to us. And He promises, y'all, He promises to His people that He will give us that life. So the application of this message today is this. We, church, we need to prepare ourselves for the revival that God wants to send to us. He wants to send a revival to us. He wants us to be able to write 2022 on, the, on that line of dates where He burst upon the scene. He wants to revive his people. So we got to get our hearts ready for that. And that's what this service is this morning. Uh, the, you know, I was kind of glad that Bill wasn't going to be here this morning to give me the opportunity to stand before my church family that I love so much and help maybe cultivate the soil a little bit as the Holy Spirit moves and works to get us ready for the revival that God wants to bring to us. So I asked the staff, well, Bill called me, uh, Bill Elliff called me early in the week this week, and we were just talking about it, and he's about this week and what it's going to look like. And he said, he asked me a question. He said, John, if revival really comes to First Baptist Church floor, what's it going to look like? You're the pastor. What's it going to look like if revival truly comes to First Baptist Church of Flora? So he and I talked for a while, and I told him a little bit about y'all. I talked good about you, and, and I told him some stuff about y'all and talked about our community and some of the uh, strong things about our community, some of the weaknesses about our community, some of the things that we can rejoice in, some of the battles and obstacles that we have to fight against and things like that. So I, in staff meeting this week, I asked the staff the same question. I said, okay, I want y'all to tell me, and I'm going to tell Bill what y'all said because I want him to understand where our heart is as a church staff as we strive to lead y'all. And the staff gave some great responses when I asked what, when, when, not if, but when revival truly comes to first past floor, what's it going to look like? And, man, our staff just poured us. That means it's going to be more evangelism, more people that are, are not content to be sideline observers, just sitting there not doing anything. There's going to be people who are going to be desiring to serve and people that are going to want to be uh, more active in fulfilling the Great Commission. There's going to be deepening hunger for the Word of God. That's what your church staff said would happen when revival comes to this church. And when we look at Psalm 85, we can see some things that we can expect God to do when revival comes. When you look at Psalm 85, we can expect favor and forgiveness. We can expect God's favor and God's 
Forgiveness. You see that there, the verse, first three verses. Lord, you were favorable to your land. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sins. Let me tell you what's going on in Psalm 85. These people, these were the people of God. They had turned their back on the Lord. They'd wandered away from God. They have sinned against the Lord in the past. And listen to me. God had disciplined his people. Which is exactly what he will do to his people. When we turn our backs on him. When you deliberately turn your back on the Lord. And walk away from him. Don't think he's going to let you get away with that. His discipline will come. And the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews chapter 12, His discipline is painful. I've been there, y'all. It is painful. He will drive you to... You know what he did here? You know what he did here in Psalm 85? He sent famines to them. Destroyed their crops. He, he sent droughts upon the land. Destroyed their crops. Destroyed their livelihood. Man, that's mean. That's horrible. You know, No, it isn't. You know what he caused them to do? It caused the people to go, God, we need you! And that's why he brings that discipline into our lives. And he brought the forgiveness and he showed his favor to them. And that's what we can expect God to do. What a blessing, man. What a relief to know that it is God's desire to show us his favor and to forgive us of all of our sins. He is pleased with us and he accepts us. And I love what the writer said here. He covers all their sins. He covers all their sins. And the only way that He can cover our sin is through the blood of Jesus. That's the only way our sins will be covered. In fact, that word for cover, man, is so cool. That word for cover means to overwhelm. It means to overwhelm. So the blood of Jesus overwhelms us like a flood as He shows His forgiveness to us. I think about what's going on in Kentucky right now, and there's a whole lot of destructive things happening with those floods up there. But man, you think about what's happening. Those floodwaters surged through and inundated cities and towns and homes and farmland and all kinds of stuff. And although that's a destructive thing, it's a beautiful picture of what happens with the forgiveness that we have through the blood of Jesus as He just overwhelms us and, over, and, and floods us. With his forgiveness. That's what he wants to do in our lives. Listen, y'all, man, over the last couple of weeks, I want you to know, First Baptist Flora, what God is doing in your church, among your people, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Over the last couple of weeks, we've seen probably 10, 12 people in directly through the ministry of this church come to faith in Christ. Man, it's been so cool. People leading folks to Christ over at the Jones house on Sunday afternoon with our trailer park ministry that's going on over there. The take it to the town we had this past uh, Wednesday night. Other opportunities that we've had to talk to people about their relationship with the Lord and lead people to faith in Christ. Man, and God is working because what has happened is that the blood of Jesus has overwhelmed some people and brought forgiveness to their lives. That's what happens when revival comes, his favor and his forgiveness. There's also restoration and rejoicing when revival comes, verses 4 through 7. Again, back to this generation. You know what this generation, Psalm 85, had done? Here's what they had done. All right, all you parents that had little youngins sit up here on this stage today, here's what this generation done. They had watched their mamas and daddies and their papas and their grannies and decided they were going to follow the way their papa and granny did and their mom and daddy did. And so as they watched them, they saw that generation walk away from the Lord. So this generation said, we're going with them. 
Why do we need revival? Because of that. Because this generation, we've got to be living for the Lord. Because that generation behind us and the generation behind them are watching you. And they're watching me. And if you're playing the game, guess what? They're going to play the game. If you're going through the motion, they're going to go through the motion. If you're faking it, they're going to fake it. That's exactly what happened here. And when God brought his painful discipline that he will bring to you and to me, and he brought it to them, when he brought it into their lives, they began to cry out to the Lord, which is what we have to do. We have to cry out to the Lord. They needed his restoration. They needed his patience. They needed his forgiveness. They needed his steadfast love and salvation. And that's exactly what we need today too. It's what we need. And when he revives us, that's exactly what we will have. His restoration, and then we will respond with rejoicing. God, will you not revive us again so that we can rejoice in you, Lord? You don't know rejoicing until you experience revival. Until that weight of sin is gone. And you're able to rejoice because God has revived your heart. When I was at First Baptist Church, Brookhaven, back in the early to mid-90s when I was a student minister there, we had a beautiful old sanctuary building that was right, butted right up next to the rest of our building. Had a big sanctuary that they had built back in the 70s, or maybe early 80s, that, you know, seat about 1,000 people, something like that. Well, it had this old sanctuary here, big, beautiful dome on top of it. Somebody, somebody's been to Brookhaven, you know what it looks like. So we knew we didn't want to tear down that beautiful building, just like we're never going to tear down that building over there. That's not going to happen. We, they, we didn't want to tear this building down. But we needed the space. Our youth ministry was growing. Our kids' ministry was growing. We had a horrible fellowship hall. I mean, our church at that time would run about 800 people in Sunday school, and we couldn't put about 300 people in our fellowship hall to have a meal together. So we had to have more space. So this is what we did. We went, instead of tearing that building down, we went inside and tore it out from the inside. Took everything. We just gutted that building three stories from floor to ceiling. And then we came back, they came back in and rebuilt a, a solid steel structure inside that building. And then built a beautiful preschool space on the ground floor, an awesome fellowship hall on the second floor. And I had brand new youth Sunday school space on the third floor. And we called that building project Experience Restoration. It wasn't destruction. We didn't tear the building down. We restored it from the inside out. And once we did that, we were able to go in there and rejoice. And we, it was a useful building. We were able to use it to serve the Lord and do the Lord's work because we had restored that building. And that is what God wants to do in revival. What he will do in revival is restore you and me from the inside out so that we can be useful to the Lord again. Amen? Y'all with me? Okay. Three of you are good. All right. So let's keep on going. One more thing, when revival comes, we'll experience peace, presence, and provision. His peace, his presence, and his provision. Those last few verses, verses 8 through 13, I'm not going to take the time to read. Let me tell you what's going on. Back to Psalm 85, what was happening here? These people were hurting. They were in pain due to the consequences of their sin. You can't blame it on anybody else. It's you. And your consequences, their consequences of sin. 
And they were experiencing the pain as a result of the consequences of their sin, but they knew what they needed to do. Let me hear you speak, God. Let me hear you speak. I hope that's why you're sitting in this room today. Not because you want to hear me speak. I appreciate when you tell me, man, that was a good sermon, John, thanks. But I hope you're sitting here today because you want to hear God speak. And when He speaks, when He revives His people, He speaks peace to them. He speaks peace. Verse 8, He will speak peace. And listen, when God speaks something, it's done. (laughs) Go back to Genesis chapter 1. Let there be light. Boom! There's light. When God speaks it, it's done. He speaks peace into our lives. Let me tell you something, man. Wednesday night, Wednesday night during Take It to the Town, my team was uh, Vicky and Tamara and Kathy and me. And we just put that team together and we took off. And we were going to visit. And we went up on our end of First Street up there and uh, stopped at that first house right there on the corner led Roberto, 18-year-old Hispanic young man, led him to faith in Christ. Cool, cool, cool God moment right there. Led him to faith in Christ, went a couple of doors down. There was an African-American man standing in his driveway, so we stopped there and walked up, said, hey, man, can we talk to you for just a minute? Yeah, y'all, come on. So we got talking to him, and it didn't take long for us to find out he was a believer, a strong believer. Man, we just had a little, a little hallelujah moment there, man. man. Praise God that he's so glad that you're a believer. He and I actually became, Harvey, we became friends on the Bible app the next day, man. We talked about the Bible app, and, and uh, so we became, and so about that time, his daddy walked out, walked out of the driveway, and he walked up to me, and he said, hey, what you running for, man? <laughs> he thought I was running for office. Man, I'm just running for Jesus, amen. But anyway, uh, you know. But I told him, I said, you know, man, no, I'm, I'm pastored out of First Baptist. We're just out here talking to folks about how our church can do a better job ministering to our community. And so he and I got to talk and found out he was a believer. So the six of us are just standing there, two black folks, uh, four white folks. we standing right there in the middle of that driveway just having church in the middle of their driveway. Well, arms around each other, talking this dude, and I were sitting, standing there talking to his daddy, talking. He said, man, I appreciate y'all being out here. He said, we got to do more of this kind of stuff. Because what we started talking about, we started talking about how scarce peace is in people's lives these days. People have no peace. Some of y'all sitting here today, you ain't got no peace in your life. You look all fine on the outside right now, but it is a freaking hurricane going on inside of your life right now. And you have no peace. And people are longing for that peace. And I want to tell you something. What the six of us, as we gathered up with our arms around each other right there in the middle of their driveway, out there just sharing a a wonderful moment between brothers and sisters in Christ, and what we talked about was the desperate need for us as Christ followers of all races and walks of life to come together and to do the work of spreading the gospel of peace in our community. Man, I'll tell you something. It is time for some of this junk to go away. And I will tell you something. If you don't, it is time for it to go away. And if you're still hanging on to it, then you need to be at this altar when I give this invitation today. And God, revive your heart today and revive my 
heart today. When God revives his people, his peace is near, i got to hurry, and his presence is near to us because of the powerful working of the Holy Spirit. He's here today. Amen? Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 5, he said, the Lord is near. He's near. He's near. He's right here. He is near. And when he revives his people, you experience his presence. Bill Elif, our revival preacher, writes a great blog. Go, go subscribe to it, BillElif.org. Uh, so get your phone out and go there right now and subscribe to it. If you're not, we'll finish, let me finish the sermon. You can do that later. This is what Bill said in one of his blog posts. He said, if you have his presence, this is the guy that's going to be preaching tonight. This is straight from his blog. If you have his presence, you have everything you need. Wisdom, power, joy, peace, direction, love, life itself. But if you do not have his presence, if he is not with you, you have nothing that is valuable or that will last. When God revives us, he brings his peace, he brings his presence, and he provides for us. He said there in verse 12, he provides that which is good. His faithfulness springs up from the ground. Verse 11, as he blesses us and provides for our every need. So what is your greatest need today? Today, in this room, what is your greatest need? God promises that he will meet that need. So as you look, hey, go back to the, will y'all go back to the, uh, got the verse that, all right, so you see that. As you look at that, if you long for favor and forgiveness in your life, if you desperate for restoration and rejoicing, if you d- so passionately want peace in God's presence and His provision in your life, then something needs to happen right now. Number one, the first thing that needs to happen is that we have to have a realization of our need for revival we got to realize we need it there's a lot of folks that don't realize or they're not willing to realize these people in psalm 85 realized how far they had moved from the lord and how desperately they needed him to move in their lives they knew they needed revival do you and i realize that same thing today Do we know we need revival or have we grown so comfortable in our sin that we're just blinded to it I'm just going to read this because I want to say it right. The consequences of our sin have not seemed too severe. We've been sinning and getting away with it, and everything seems to be going pretty good in our life. Still got some money in the bank. We still got a nice truck. We still got things going on. Still got a job. Everything's pretty good right now. I can keep on going the direction I'm going. The consequences had not seemed too severe, even though I know I'm sinning in the secret, but I'm still... The consequences have not seemed too sincere, severe, so we decided we decide to keep on taking our chances. Like someone who is walking on the thin ice of a frozen lake, taking their chances that the ice won't break and plunge them into the freezing water, you and I keep easing farther and farther into our sin and away from the safety of the Lord. We hear the ice cracking. But we keep taking our chances anyway. That's the folly that the psalmist is talking about in verse 8. 
The folly of thinking you can keep easing out on that ice and it can keep cra- and you think you <laughs> you think you can keep going and the ice is not going to break. And that's what we think about. We oh, things are not too bad in my life. I don't really need revival. I mean, everything's going. I know. I'm yeah, but we have to have the realization of our need for revival, and then we have to repent of our sins. A lot of times, a lot of times we, a lot of times we think that once we've confessed our sins to the Lord, that's it. That's all we need to do. And it is true. And I. It is true that 1 John 1, 9 says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Yes, he will forgive, but repentance must follow that. Where you turn away from your sin and you start living for the Lord. And then there needs to be a real returning to the Lord. Matt, y'all come on to the stage, please. Y'all come on. Let's get the, let's get the band up here and get ready. There has to be a real returning to the Lord, and that's right now. That's what's happening right now. That's what needs to happen right now, that there needs to be a real returning to the Lord. The Bible is full of verses. I I could have written down 20 verses that talk about return to the Lord, but there's one in particular that grabbed my heart a few years ago when I was in a bad place in my life. I was in a bad place. I was in a place of darkness. I was in a place I didn't need to be, a place that I shouldn't have been, and God brought this verse to me out of Jeremiah chapter 16 where he said to Jeremiah, if you will return to me, I will return to you so that you may continue to serve me. There had to be a real returning in my life, and he broke me to the point of laying flat on my face, weeping, crying out to the Lord, God, restore me. And he'll do that same thing today. If you'll return to him right now. You ain't got to wait till tonight for the revival service. It can start now. Return to the Lord. He'll return to you. And then joy, peace, provision, favor, forgiveness, all of that is yours. Let's go to the Lord. Father, help us now during this invitation, Lord, to respond to you as you speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.